analysts. I don't think data analysts are going to be replaced by AI. I think these tools are definitely something really cool to help speed up the efficiency and the quality of work for data analysts. I know I like to use ChatGPT to kind of brainstorm, but you never want to just blindly copy and paste code. It's definitely a useful tool, but it's not going to be something that totally replaces data analysts. Welcome to the Data Bytes podcast, Jess. I have been looking forward to this conversation for quite some time. Yes, absolutely. I'm always happy to talk with you. So one of the things I wanted to start off with is I saw a post that you made the other day, and it was, I think, just really relevant. It was, you were talking about how an analyst should not be looked at as like a junior position to a data scientist or like a stepping stone to a data scientist. And that an analyst position is very different from a data scientist position. And they're two totally separate things, not like one leads into the other, although it can for some individuals. Tell me a little bit more about like why you felt the need to put this out there, like how you see the roles different. Yeah. So it looks like we're starting out with the spicy questions. Um, So I felt the need to kind of voice that opinion because I see a lot of like language sometimes that presents data analytics as an entry level for data science or data engineering. And it almost sounds like people are talking down to data analysts sometimes. And obviously that's kind of hard for me to see as a data analyst. And I think a lot of people don't really understand the value in the different areas of data. There's a lot of overlap between the fields. So data analysts do a lot of data science work and data scientists do a lot of data analyst work. So I think a lot of people kind of see them as the same or one being an entry level for the other, but they really have their own areas of expertise. So they're not just easily interchangeable. So maybe an entry level data analyst position could lead to a data science position or a data engineering position. But to get really good at data analytics, you have to really get good at the technical skills. You have to get good at data wrangling and working with stakeholders and communicating, making business decisions. And I think those skills are what really set apart data analysts from data scientists. One of the things you mentioned in those skills is, you know, making recommendations. You could think of this as like guiding company decisions, working on the technical skills such as like data visualization and SQL and, you know, data wrangling. Those tools are readily available. And we'll talk a little bit more about your class that you have to guide people on that. But how does one get good at like, guiding then companies on decisions, you know, I mean, a lot of times an analyst is a first role for an individual out of college. It can be kind of daunting to think about, okay, now I'm making recommendations that the company is going to use to make decisions and change the way we work. Like, how do you get that confidence? And also, how do you even learn how to have that skill? Yeah, it, it definitely is daunting. I was a data analyst right out of school and I was like, wow, I can't believe people mid and late career trusting me with my recommendations. Um, I think a lot of it comes from experience. And as you learn more about business acumen and how companies make decisions for their product or their marketing, you just get better at it as you go. And I think part of that comes with making mistakes, which can be costly to a business sometimes. So of course you want to avoid those if possible. But when you do make a mistake, own it, learn from it and don't make it again. So just always be willing to learn as you go and be okay with the fact that you might not be super confident up front. And those are skills that you develop over time. 
And when you are super confident, lean on your teammates, your manager, there are people around you to help you make those decisions as long as you have like the data part down. So you're not just a, a data analyst, you're a senior data analyst. How do you distinguish between the two and any tips for individuals who are currently a data analyst and want to move into a senior analyst position? Yeah, I think a lot of people think that a senior analyst, what sets them apart is the technical skills. And I think that's partially true. As you grow as a data analyst, you're going to organically develop better technical skills. You're going to get better at SQL. You're going to know how to solve problems more quickly and more efficiently and solve more complicated problems as well. But I think what really sets apart senior analysts is the ability to develop those business recommendations, the ability to speak with different stakeholders, understand what they're asking and speak their language back, and also being able to lead projects, which comes with managing stakeholders, managing expectations, meeting goals, so there's definitely just a lot of soft skills that a senior analyst really needs to have. So for someone in a data analyst position looking for a senior data analyst position, I would recommend taking as much ownership over projects as you can. Try to take the lead on them, determine what needs to be done, be the person of contact with stakeholders so you learn how to communicate with them and just really be that go-to person for that project. And then when you prove those leadership skills, I think the senior analyst title will come a little more naturally. Yeah, those are some great, excuse me, those are some great recommendations. In terms of, we've talked a lot about the soft skills. What about the hard skills? What are like those skills that every data analyst just has to have? Absolutely. So my jobs have mostly been in SQL. I haven't used Python as much on the job, so I can't speak as much to Python skills. But definitely for SQL, you need to know CTEs, unions, window functions, self-joins, how to wrangle data using aggregate functions in case. So just being able to do more complex stuff in SQL and work with like all these different data sets and turn them into one output. I think those are like the main technical skills that I had to develop when I moved into a more senior level role. And you just recently launched a course on LinkedIn Learning about SQL. Can you tell us a little bit more about this? I believe this is your second course, actually. Yes, it is my second course. So this course is designed to solve business problems in SQL. And it actually is targeted towards those people who do want to move to a more advanced data analyst role or even a senior level role. So it's designed for people that have a little bit of experience in a SQL foundation, but they want to work on real business problems to gain that business experience. And so what was your goal with the, this class? Um, why did you feel like there was, there are tons of SQL classes out there. Why did you feel like there was a need um, to have like a little bit different version of it? So when I first started marketing my course, I'm thinking like I'm having to market it as I'm building, building it. And I really want to differentiate myself out there. I don't want to just create another SQL course for no reason. I want to make sure that it has something different to offer. And something that I've really noticed with a lot of SQL courses is that some of them can be very surface level, very fluffy. There's a lot of influencers, especially on TikTok out there. They're selling their little SQL course. It's not very much material. It's very surface level. And that kind of frustrates me because people come in with the expectation that if they take this course that they're immediately going to get a job. And then they realize they don't know how to apply those skills to actual business problems and put in their portfolio. So I designed my course to be based on actual business problems. So that way the learner is 
learning business acumen, working with stakeholders, and those kind of softer skills while applying their technical skills to the problem. I love it. It definitely shows you put a lot of work and thought into this because it's it's one difficult to just come up with questions. I think, you know, having developed classes myself, it is much harder to come up with ways to test learners. You would be so surprised at like how hard it is to come up with a really good test question. So be kind on your teachers, all students out there who are like, this wasn't a very clear question. It, it is quite difficult to come up with good testing um, question. That could be a whole other subject in and of itself. But to tie it then into the business problem really just shows how important it is for data analysts. And I think tailors it really well for the data analyst domain. In addition to that, I think you made a really good point, just that there's so many classes out there that I don't know if they're intentionally doing it, but kind of make the promise of like, you take this class and then you're automatically going to be a data scientist or you're automatically going to get this job. And we all know who have gotten into the field. It's a very long journey to that. And it's one that takes a lot of persistence. Um, but for those who are in an analyst position, they're taking classes right now. One of the things I see them struggle so often with is how do I continue to practice my skills when I don't really have access to databases, right? Because a lot of that is, you know, once you get into the company, then you get access to all this data. And as an individual, I don't just have SQL servers running in my backyard, you know. So what what recommendations do you have for individuals who aren't in the job yet and are looking to practice more of these skills? How do they get that practice? Yeah, and that's really hard because I was in a similar position. I didn't have access to a cloud environment like Snowflake. And I was like, I know SQL, I have those skills. I just haven't had that, you know, skilled experience. Um, so it's definitely hard to do that. But my recommendation is to find di just different data sets online. So you can go on Kaggle and find different data sets under all types of industries and business domains. So just getting exposure to different data sets really helps. And you can even make your own data sets like on a small scale. Maybe not everybody wants to go build an entire data model on their own. But I think being able to build different data sets and then work with them, I think there's a lot of learning in there. And that's something I learned a lot while developing my own course. I was having to develop my own data sets and I had to really understand like this is a foreign key in this table. It connects here and just understanding how all the, the data sets work together. Yeah, I think that's a great recommendation. I mean, in that process of finding data sets is also part of your learning, right? You may have opportunities in the role where you want to augment some of the company data and you need to go off and get census data, et cetera. So I think all of those are good recommendations. I'm always surprised too at how many government institutions have open data portals, which makes some really cool opportunities for the SQL class I'm doing. I'm updating the final project with data from USDA. And so you know, just as you said, individuals, are, I have all the data for them, but individuals have to go and create their tables and like look at that as a part of the learning experience because that will really help you in the long run. So shifting gears a little bit, you know, I'm seeing a lot more come out in terms of AI tools that are effective for individuals uh, in an analyst position in particular, right? There's a lot of AI tools that help you write your SQL or you know, are replacing some of the manual dashboarding and visualization and are more of a question-based. Where do you think the analyst role is going to go in the future, given the new advancements and assistance we have from AI with some of these tools? 
Well, first and foremost, I don't think data analysts are going to be replaced by AI. I just want to throw that out there because people love to tell me that my job is going to be replaced. Um, I think these tools are definitely something really cool to help speed up the efficiency and the quality of work for data analysts. I know I like to use ChatGPT to kind of brainstorm. If I'm thinking like, what's a SQL function that can help me do this? Or how do I craft a query to blah, blah, blah? I think it's good for brainstorming just to get like an idea of how to do something. But you never want to just blindly copy and paste code because ChatGPT is it's not going to understand your exact business context. It doesn't have access to your data model and the relationships between your tables. So it's definitely a useful tool, but it's not going to be something that totally replaces data analysts. And you see this as a way to help analysts maybe speed up their process. I know you mentioned using it as like a starting point to get some ideas and brainstorm. Um, do you see this as a way that analysts will be more effective in their job? Absolutely. Something I've used it a lot for lately is brainstorming metrics. I'm like, okay, what are some good user retention metrics, user engagement metrics? How do I calculate blah, blah, blah? So I think it's really useful to kind of speed up the process. You don't have to go through a hundred different pages on Google to find what you need. Um, so I think it's going to make data analysts more effective in the long run because they're just going to be able to get faster and more ideas to kind of have as a launching pad. But I do always caution people with using it to write SQL queries and just kind of copying and pasting. I think it's good to democratize some of these tools and databases, but it's good to keep the data in the hands of people who really understand it. Couldn't agree more. And in regards to your your role today, so you have a bachelor's in mathematics. That seems like a very like logical transition to go into analytics. How did you find analytics? Though? Because that, everyone's like, no, it wasn't so clear in college. It wasn't like, here's mathematics and here's all the roles that it maps out to. What was your journey into the role you're in today? Yeah, it really wasn't clear for me in college. I majored in math because I got a math scholarship. I was like desperate for scholarships going to college. So I competed for a math scholarship and I actually got one. And I was like, me? Like, no way. So because of that scholarship, I had to at least minor or major in math to keep my scholarship. So I was originally going to do a minor, but then I was like, math is like really cool. There's not a lot of women out there doing it. I feel like I just want to do this like for myself to like prove I can do it. So I majored in math, but I didn't know what kind of a career I wanted to go into. A lot of like math programs, they push you towards like academia and research getting a, a master's and PhD in math, but I knew that wasn't for me. So I found data analytics by chance in a way. I also had a business minor and I needed an extra elective to finish my minor. So I'm asking around like, what is an easy A? Like, I just want an easy business elective. It's like my last year. Like, I'm not trying to take a really hard class. And I landed in information systems, which is kind of like a business, computer science, data analytics course all in one. And that's where I first learned about data. And I feel bad saying that I didn't see the value in the class when I first took it. But after I was like, wow, that was really interesting. And from there, I like begged my professor to do a directed study with me in data analytics, even though I didn't need the credit. I just wanted to learn. 
And I'm really glad that she said yes and provided me that mentorship. And I was able to work on like a project. And it was enough to confirm that I wanted to go to grad school and learn more. That's amazing. I I love asking this question because from the outside, it always may look like a very linear path. And I think it's important just to remember that, you know, sometimes we all stumble into it and it happened chance and maybe just wanting to take an easy class. (laughs) Right. In our last year, I think we could all relate to that of like just being burnt out in our last year of school, whether that be our master's program or bachelor's program. But to then find what you really love and see the value in data. So what advice do you have for individuals who are in college and are trying to get ideas of like what they want to do next? You know, what's a good way for them to get clarity on like what their path is outside of college? I'd say definitely get involved. So whether it be in the community, if you can get a job on campus, anything that can get you like a little bit of real world experience or meeting with professionals and mentors who might be able to like teach you something. I think that's always great. My last year, I was able to get a job on campus working as a predictive analytics specialist. So I got a little bit of like R and like data cleaning skills. And that was really helpful finding my career path as well. Um, I'd also recommend networking. So using LinkedIn, finding a community online, those things are really useful for not only having relationships for your future career, but also learning from other people and hearing different perspectives. So you are an amazing networker from what I've seen. Um, That's how we got connected and um, through, I think it was Instagram first and then LinkedIn and all the other ones. What advice do you have for individuals just in terms of networking? I think that word is so scary to many and it's just it, people get nervous or it makes them feel awkward. How do you view networking and how do you do networking effectively? I'd say I definitely still feel nervous and awkward. So if you feel nervous and awkward and you're listening to this, that's normal. Um, I would just recommend be genuine and be yourself. As cheesy as that sounds, it's going to come across way more authentic. So if you're DMing someone and you send them a cookie cutter script copied and pasted from Google with no personality and you immediately ask them for something like a referral or a coffee chat, you're likely not going to get a response because you're not going to stand out from all the rest of the messages they might get and they might not see that you put in the time to, you know, make that effort. But if you're DMing someone like on LinkedIn, for example, make sure you take the time to just be authentic. So go look at their history, find something in common or ask them a really interesting question. You can be like, I see you worked at this company. My friend also works here. I'm really curious how you use XYZ in your role. You know, ask something specific and show that you put in the extra thought and effort to connect with them. I love it. Yeah, I know it does sound so cheesy to like be yourself, but the truth is, it, if you, when you're yourself, you're something different and people get interested in like something that's unique and interesting and different. And then the other positive aspect of being yourself is you're going to find other people who are your vibe, right? Because at the end of the day, you want to connect and meet people who have the same inspiration as you and have the same positivity as you. And that can only happen when you really show people who you truly are. So I know it's simple advice, but It really is great advice. So thank you for that. As we wrap up today, you know, you have been really a trailblazer just for women 
in this space for women in data. I love your story of just like getting into mathematics and, you know, seeing that, hey, there aren't a lot of women in here and I'm good at this and I can do it and kind of blazing your own path there. And then just also blazing your own path through all your activity on social media and sharing your voice. What advice do you have for women in data in this space? I have a lot of advice for women in data, but if I could boil it down to one thing, I think the biggest thing is don't sacrifice who you are and try to fit the mold of what you think a data analyst should look like. When I was in college majoring in math, I really like chipped away pieces of who I was because I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be seen as as smart as everyone else. I wanted the same respect that, you know, other people in the class got because I'm a very outspoken. I like an outspoken person. I like to joke around. I dress very femininely. And back then I would even like plan my outfits around my math classes. I'd be like, okay, I have a 400 level math class today. I don't want to wear my pink shirt or my heeled boots. I'm going to wear a t-shirt and leggings, my hair up. I'm not going to look too like dressed up, you know, because that's what I had to do almost to feel like I fit in and earn that respect. And looking back to those days, it makes me like really sad because back then I didn't know who I would be today. And even just a couple of years after college, I didn't know that I was going to like really break out of my shell and be able to be my authentic self. So it's it makes me sad that I covered myself up so much trying to fit in. And I wish I would have just been my real self and not tried to fit in throughout my math degree. So I think that's a lesson that I've really learned over the past few years. And that's a message that I would hope to convey to women that are pursuing a technical field. Yes, we got to start somewhere, right? Where we can, younger individuals can start to see more women being themselves or really whoever, right? I think that's the great part about when we show up in a space as our true authentic self, it creates space for others to do that as well, right? Whether it's women, whether it's people of color. Um, it really opens up and leads the way for that. So I appreciate that you do that so readily now um, in your work and through social media. And I think that's very, very well-spoken advice. So thank you. Yeah. And honestly, you're one of the people who inspire me in that. Like, I know I'm always on Instagram and your DMs. I'm like, you have the cutest clothes. Like, I love that you always dress like so feminine and so cute but also so professional and you're able to own that and still be a super intelligent data scientist, business owner out here killing it. So I think you opened that door for me a lot as well. Well, thank you. It definitely was a conscious decision because just as you remember with like your math class, I remember when I got moved over to a, a more technical team as a data engineer and I switched actual buildings I was in. And when I walked into the building, it was like automatically felt out of place, right? Everyone was in a t-shirt and jeans or flannel and jeans. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, But I was wearing pink heels and I was like automatically thought like, I need to change these shoes. And then I was like, wait, why am I changing myself for other people? The shoes I'm wearing is not going to affect how well I write SQL code or how well I create a data pipeline. Like, that's ridiculous. Uh, If anything, feeling like myself is going to help me do a better job at whatever I'm creating. And so, you know, I think it's important just to know that we all have those times that, like, we're tested and hit 
questions of like, okay, what are you going to do in this instance? And finding other people and connecting with them is so helpful to build our courage in that aspect. So thank you for sharing your story. As we wrap up today, if, if individuals want to follow along with you or take your class, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, so luckily I'm on almost every social media platform now, so you can follow me somewhere. But LinkedIn is my like main social media. I'm also growing a lot on Instagram and TikTok. My handles are Jess Ramos Data, so go find me there. And then I'm also on the LinkedIn Learning platform. You can type in Jess Ramos and you'll find me and my two courses on the platform. Um, they're also linked to my LinkedIn page if you prefer to find them that way. But my SQL course is unlocked for free on LinkedIn Learning until December 18th. So if you're looking for a free way to practice SQL, definitely go take it before December 18th. Awesome. Well, it, I would highly recommend it. Jess is an amazing instructor and SQL is just a skill that everyone I feel like needs to learn, no matter if you're in an analytics role or even if you're a business person. Um, so definitely go take advantage of that free class. Jess, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us today. This has been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me. And a big thank you to our listeners. Remember to stay curious and keep learning. And we'll catch you next time on the Data Bytes podcast. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Data Bytes podcast. If you're looking for more resources to further your data career or find your tribe, we encourage you to become a member at womenindata.org. See you on the other side.